In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos pregame walkthrough brought to you by Funny Bone Broth. My name is Ben Grant, joined as always by JB as we get you set for a huge test that the Argos have this week, traveling to Calgary to take on the Stampeders in what is going to be their most difficult matchup since they played Calgary several weeks ago. We got a lot to talk about today. There's the Player of the Week honors that MBT and Maurice Carnell both received this week. The team released Isaiah Wright and Julian McLeod will address that. Plus, I did a deep dive into Ryan Hunter's entire college and pro career. I'll tell you everything you need to know about the newest Toronto Argonauts offensive lineman. Uh, the Argos did some uh, work this week with Holland Blue Review, which was amazing to see. We'll address that a little bit. Plus, we've got the injury reports to dive into, OCDC, one thing, predictions, fantasy advice, and our CFL picks. All that more coming up on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. JB, uh, no surprise, I guess, when you look at the three games that went down this weekend that Maurice Carnell and McLeod Bethel-Thompson get honored with uh, Player of the Week nominations. Uh, really nice to see for both of those guys. McLeod Bethel-Thompson, who constantly gets overlooked, and Maurice Carnell, who didn't even have a job up until a few weeks ago, and here he is now a star. Yeah, I mean, he 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 really has shown um, great hands. And yeah, if, if, you know that that secondary just continues to to crank out stars, which is you know I think a nod to the talent, uh, the eye for talent in terms of who they brought in and the system that they're running. Because when players become stars, it yes, it is because the players are fantastic, but also it's because they fit and they are being used really well. So. I think that is definitely a nod to the coaching staff as well that that we now have uh, you know a couple of guys from the secondary being players of the week. For sure, yeah, it says a lot about a lot about the coaching, and we talked early in the season about the just the logic of having two coaches in the secondary with Coach Fields and Coach Bell, but. Anything that we might have thought about that before, I, I think you have to erase uh, all of it because clearly this system works. However, they run it, and I'm still, I'm still not. You know, I watch them at practice, and who, you know who runs what, and you know we kind of see how that runs during games. I still don't fully get it, but it makes sense from the standpoint that you've got six guys to coach instead of just like one or two, like a lot of other positions. So yeah, from that standpoint, it, it makes sense, but it's clearly working and that's more important than anything else. The secondary is playing great. Maurice Carnell, he's not even the, the seventh guy in. He's like the ninth guy in. The team lost Robertson Daniel. The team lost Shaq Richardson. Then they lost Robert Priester. And then finally Carnell, that's what brought Carnell in. He wouldn't even be on the team if like four guys in the secondary didn't get injured. And here he is playing out of his mind in, in back-to-back weeks. And he's, he's looked great since, since they, they re-signed him. So yeah, definitely a, a tip of the hat to the coaching staff, Coach Bell, Coach Fields, but Maurice Carnell, uh, you know, he was, he was not a player that really impressed me as much as everyone else at, at camp. Everyone fell in love with him. I was skeptical. Uh, I'm clearly wrong on that. He's been, he's been amazing uh, since they gave him that, that second chance. 
Unfortunately, with all the signings the Argos have made over the last couple weeks and guys getting healthy, it means that roster moves need to be made. And Isaiah Wright and Julian McLeod were, were both released this week. Uh, really sad for both those guys. Julian McLeod has done everything that's asked, been asked of him since he arrived here. And it's just a defensive line room that is getting stronger and stronger with the signings they keep making, guys getting healthier. And some of the younger guys being more ready to to take on roles. And Isaiah Wright became a, a casualty of having too many return specialists that are, again, now healthy. Because Javon Leak is probably going to be ready to return in some capacity. As I don't know if he'll be a returner over over Jeremiah Hadel, But you've got those two guys. They both have looked better than Isaiah Wright had. Which surprises me. I expected Wright to come in and look fantastic. Punt return, kick return. But... It's just so hard to judge these guys based on the the lack of blocking that anyone has gotten. But I think I think we can see, even with as bad as the blocking has been, I think we can see that there are little sparks that Leak has and Hadel has that we didn't really see from Wright at any point uh, when he was on the field. <laughs> or <clears throat> maybe Wright goes on the sides of the team and becomes amazing. Yeah, well, uh, don't think that didn't cross my mind as soon as I saw that. You know, because it, honestly, it's it's true. If they needed, if if Montreal wanted to just be jerks, they could sign Isaiah Wright tomorrow, play him this week, and he'd get like an eighty-yard kickoff return and a fifty-yard punt return because it, that's that's what matters most. Like the the returnability, it is something. There is a skill to it. There's no question, but. Any of these receiver DB athletes with any experience, punt returning and kick returning, you put them back there for Montreal, they're going to look way better than what Toronto is doing right now with even more skilled returners. It's it's the blocking that matters most. It's That's my argument with the run game too. Like running backs, I've talked about this many times, how I, I don't really value running backs because I believe it's mostly about the blocking. There are differences, certainly, but... At the end of the day, if you've got a great offensive line, you can make almost anybody look good back there. You look at Calgary and the guys that they've they've walked in, it doesn't seem to matter who they put in the backfield. Obviously, Kadeem Carey is the best of their running backs, there's no question. I, I think he's the best running back in the league. But you still put in you put in Mills back there, uh, the third string running back, and he still looks great because he's got blocking. And it's the same thing with the punt return, kick return game. So, yeah, for me, it's it's unfortunate for Isaiah Wright. Uh, I really like him still as a player. I like him as a receiver too, but it's just a position they've got depth at, and they they want to go in a different direction. So sad to say goodbye to both those guys. JB, how excited on a scale of one to ten are you about? New offensive lineman Ryan Hunter. Um, eight. That's pretty good. I think pretty high. I mean, I think he's the real deal. I'm I'm really surprised. I don't know if there's something else taking him home. Uh, it's surprising that he didn't have more practice squad offers when you look at his resume, and he was playing for you know two of the top teams in the league. But uh, yeah, it's fantastic. He's coming to Toronto. I. I it's really surprising. I would have thought he would have had at least one more year of practice squatting in in the NFL. So he 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 looks like he can be, um, you know, if you can add a starter to your offensive line, uh, you know, week seventeen, then that is that is cause for celebration. Let me give you the background on Ryan Hunter, and I will say before I get into that, I totally agree with you. I think nine times out of ten. 
a lineman in his scenario, a guy that has played in the NFL, has won a Super Bowl, was on just this past summer on on the roster of an NFL team playing in three preseason games and gets cut in last cuts. That guy usually sticks around for at least a year waiting to see if someone gets an injury and calls him in. And sometimes it's even two years. And that hasn't happened here in this case. He's he's come back home, back to Ontario. And, uh, you know, it's the Argos are, are I'm, I'm sure, uh, thrilled about that, uh, just, just as I am. So the, the deal with him, uh, Ryan Hunter was uh, from North Bay, ended up going to high school in, in Buffalo area, uh, caught everybody's attention, got an offer from, from Bowling Green, and that's where he went to play his, his college years. Uh, he redshirted his first season, played a little bit as, as a freshman, as a redshirt freshman, and then was essentially full-time as a sophomore, junior, and senior. And what was interesting about it is when I went back to watch some of those, I didn't watch any of his freshman tape, but I'm watching his, his sophomore, junior, and senior years, uh, he he moved around a ton. Every year was basically a new position for him. So he started out in the interior playing center and guard. And then in his junior year, he was pretty much exclusively right tackle. And then in his senior year, he was pretty much exclusively left tackle. When he got to the NFL, he wasn't drafted, but he's picked up by the Kansas City Chiefs as an undrafted free agent and uh, and stuck with them and was active, uh, was on the active roster for their, their Super Bowl win. Uh, and ended up uh, being released a little after that. The, the Chargers picked him up, and uh, and he played some preseason. What NFL teams were trying to do with him was making him exclusively an interior guy, a center guard. That's sort of what they wanted from him. Uh, he's uh, he's a, a, a shade under six four, uh, weighing about three fifteen, and so they sort of saw him as as the ideal fit for an interior guy. And I'm just not sure that's where he's best, but especially at the NFL level. The the problem with him is he's sort of a tweener for the NFL. I, I get why he maybe sees that his best opportunities are in the CFL and maybe this will launch something for him in the NFL. He can be an outstanding CFL player. And that's why I'm so excited about him. I think what he does best is left tackle. I think of all the position he plays, watching the film of his college tape, watching his NFL tape, he is at his best at left tackle. I don't think it's particularly close either. Um, and and the funny thing is his his second best his second best thing is is probably at center and then right tackle. It's sort of a weird skip. That's sort of sort of how I saw it. And then he can play guard just fine as well. But there's no shortage of of guards on the Toronto Argonauts. The question, JB, is where do you where do you put him? Where do you aim to put him? Because I think if he comes in now, he's probably. I like Dejon Allen when he's 100% healthy. I think if Allen's 100% healthy, he's Allen's probably the best tackle. And I think Hunter is second best tackle. But I think Hunter right away could be in play for being the best center on the team and in play certainly at the guard spot. But there's the potential, maybe. We don't. We haven't heard Nicastro officially ruled out yet. Does he come back at some point? Uh, you know, we, we don't know how that's going to work. So like, where do you put him? He's he's extremely bright. He can learn all the spots, but that's not really ideal for a new guy coming in. You want him on the field as, as fast as you can. I expect him to be dressed this week in Calgary. I don't expect him to start. I'm just not sure. I'm not sure he'll he'll be ready to. I think if you can but, give, if you can give Allen a game off, or or even half a game off, 
but a full game off. I mean, if you can let his, if you can let him recover a little bit, I think that that's a great that would be a great advantage. He, you know, we need him. Um, you know, and, and and for now to have a guy you can plug in if anybody goes down is, you know, kind of a swing tackle, swing guard, swing center. Um, that's an amazing thing to have on the bench too, because guys are going to go down. They do. It happens every game. Um, so an all-purpose kind of Swiss Army knife is is not a bad use either until you kind of figure out what what is our best five. Um, that that'll be really interesting for the old line coach uh, to see how how guys gel. It's not necessarily your best five athletes, uh, but to see how guys gel and 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 what they're reading. But tackle for sure in terms of being a backup tackle. Uh, I think is probably the number one spot you're looking to to have him come in. Yeah, I guess so. And I like your idea of giving Allen a rest. Like Allen is, he hasn't been 100% healthy for, for weeks now. He's still playing great football, but you can just see it in his mobility. And if it would help him to give him a couple of weeks off to rest, I don't think, I don't think he would, I don't think he would take it because that's just how he's wired. But man, it would be great to have him fully healthy and having Hunter and Allen sort of bookending as, as tackles. And you've got so many options there and you've got four guys that can potentially play center. You've got great guard play from, from Bladek and Blake to get back to his, his natural spot would be awesome. So Ryan Hunter brings so many possibilities out. I can't wait to see him on the field. And I'm really interested to see what the Argonauts decide to do with him. JB, this week we got to see the Toronto Argonauts uh, working with the kids at, at Holland Bloor View. I, I thought this was fantastic because it's something they've traditionally done. They haven't really been able to do it for the last few years because of COVID. And yesterday they spent some time with the Holland Bloor View uh, Kids Rehabilitation Hospital. Uh, the, so many of the, the team members were down there playing with the kids. And uh, and it, it's that's one of my favorite things about all pro football to see players give back to the community like this and do charity work and especially with kids i love seeing the kids faces when they're interacting with these professional athletes and and playing around with them i, I think it's fantastic and you see just the, the the smiles on the players faces as well it goes both ways too they everyone was just having a blast and it's it's amazing that they can get back to doing stuff like this yeah, I mean, one of the sort of frustrating things about about you know following the CFL is how little people get to know or see these players who are incredibly charismatic, incredibly um, entertaining, and and uh, you know energetic, and really just great enter you know great people to to kind of cheer for. And people who are not making millions, and I think the the opportunity for people to really like players on the team beyond the sort of hardcore fan is one of the things that yeah, that's really hard to crack. Like you know, whether you did sort of a CFL version of Open Gym, um, you know, yeah, it's good. I, I mean, I'm great to see them in the public. I'd love to see that stuff picked up by the networks a little bit. I know TSN, you know, is great. They cover the league and I'm never going to badmouth that, but a little bit of extra stuff like that, you know, I think if TSN would roll in, I, I do think that it'd be great for people to see who they're cheering for because a lot of these guys are just really um, impressive men. 
you know, and and worth worth cheering for. I think that that clip captures it, you know, and a lot of their social media stuff does too. But yeah, it was great to see, you know, to 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 see that they're they're very down to earth. Yeah, and if you haven't had a chance to see it yet, go to their go to their Twitter account. They've got videos posted there and pictures posted with the Argos with the, with the kids at, at Holland Blue Review, uh, and it is amazing. It'll it's 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 worth it in your day. You need something like this. Uh, it'll make you smile. I, I guarantee it. And then the other stuff, like you alluded to, uh, the like the poolside bits. I, I've loved those this year, where you got two guys sitting with their feet in the pool on a Muskoka chair. Uh, with some trivia. And there's, there's a new one that the Argos just dropped today with uh, Enoch Mwamba and Winton McManus that is fantastic. That's that's also a must watch. But they, they've all they've all been really entertaining. And those are moments that you can kind of see a little bit of uh, the the man uh, behind the mask, I guess. Uh, so yeah, those, those bits, you know, keep those things coming. But yeah, I would love to see. I'd love to see something more. They, they, they've done that before they did it years ago like training camp inside stories and and teams have tried that sort of stuff this year and i, I love all of that content i think that's great but, but to have it professionally done every year would be an amazing thing <laughs> come on mlse you have the open gym crew it's right there <laughs> i know it's, it's okay i would love to see that there's like you said there's so many good human beings on this team and all around the cfl uh, it'd be really nice to to, to showcase that show, like you said, who you're cheering yeah, for. Yeah, and I mean, and and you know, the the biggest star is making less than the worst leaf. So, from a relatable point of view, you know, I mean, they're just so much more entertaining and relatable than any of the leaves who are sort of given god status. And you know, when I see them, they all look like boring weirdos. All right. So let's move on. <laughs> uh, look, prove me wrong, kids. Prove me wrong. That is an excellent Seymour Skinner. Let's dive into the injury report for this week's game. And just before we get to all the injury news, this is this game I, I'm pretty excited about. I think it's the game of the week. I think this is a huge test for the Argos. They've won four straight, but it's been against Hamilton and Ottawa. Now, like many people have been mentioning, for people that point that out on, on social media, they can't control that. They can't control who they play. They play who they play. They can only go out there and win the games. And they've won in dominant fashion for the most part. They let Ottawa creep back in the, on the first win, but they, they had that game in the bag. They beat up on teams they should beat up on. But now it's a Calgary team that was able to beat them at home. Now you're traveling out west where it is difficult to play, a stadium that's difficult to play in. Calgary's got a lot on the line too. They are fighting right now for that that home playoff game with the BC Lions. They just beat BC, but they're they're technically still behind them in the standings. So this is a massive game. They've got a lot to play for. The Argos have a little bit of a cushion now. Maybe there's not that sense of urgency, but I, I think this is a fantastic test. This game to really see where they are. Yeah, it is. It, it's, it's absolutely a measuring stick game. Uh, you know, it's a way. Uh, it's against a very good team, maybe maybe the second best. I mean, re- in some ways, this might be the battle for who is second best in the league. Um, it's it's a it's a great test to to see how well you can you can take on that crowd. if If they have aspirations for the cup, this is a great measuring stick to see where they are uh, on the road to that. 
because if you win this game, that pretty much locks up the East, uh, in my opinion. That's, you know, it's going to leave them basically needing one more win. Montreal will never be able to catch them. Um, and if they win this, I, I think it, it, it turns Grey Cup winning from a hope to um, a real plan. You know, I think if, if you can go to Calgary and you can beat this Calgary team who's really kind of firing in all cylinders, then you're probably the number two team in the league, in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's sort of tiered. I, I talked about this a little bit a couple of days ago on social media. Winnipeg is clearly the best team in the league. They're beatable. There are five or six teams that can give them a game, but they are the best team in the league. There's no question about that. Yeah, they, they, then, they just finished. I mean, they just finished like yeah. a machine. Yeah, they know how to win and they don't make mistakes. Right after that, it's Calgary and Toronto who I think are essentially the same. I think Toronto's got a slightly better defense. I think Calgary's got a slightly better offense. Positionally, when you break it down, I think I think Toronto's got better quarterback play. I think Calgary's probably definitely ahead on offensive line at the moment. Definitely ahead on on running back talent. Uh, receivers depends on who's playing in any given week, but. I think Toronto pretty much sweeps the defense, although those Calgary linebackers, maybe maybe that's a draw. And that's what makes this such a good matchup. And like you're saying, with the winner of this, maybe that is the, well, the second best team. I, I think I'm going to say right now, I'm going to call this a Grey Cup preview. Grey Cup preview? Yeah. That's interesting. Well, at the start of the season, I recall you picking the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. <laughs> yeah, they're, How's they're, that going? They're dead to me. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> Saskatchewan doesn't know what's going on there. Um, yeah, they are. Uh, they, I, I am no longer taking their calls. <laughs> I, I predicted Winnipeg Toronto as a great cup, which still looks in play, but I don't think either of us thought Calgary was going to be as good as they have been. So I, I think that, Calgary can beat Winnipeg, and Winnipeg keeps beating Calgary, and that's no good for the playoffs. You don't want to keep beating a team, it, it, it is increasingly harder to beat a team two, three, four times. It's true. I, I don't think I don't think Winnipeg would actually enjoy playing Calgary. No, no, they, no. So yeah, I'm calling this a great cup preview. Nice. All right. That's exciting. All right. Let's dive into this injury report. A lot of guys are starting to come back for the Toronto Argonauts. Just watching at practice today, seeing the, the number of people running around that we haven't seen in a long time. That's exciting. And I want to kind of go through how that might shape up for this week because they've got a, a pretty difficult few decisions to make. So we'll go sort of positionally here. For DBs, the concern is that Jamal Peters is is banged up. Jamal Peters uh, suffered what I believe is a concussion. It's listed as a head injury. He didn't practice today. I, I would guess that there's a pretty good shot. He doesn't play this week. And we were talking last week about the situation with Maurice Carnell, how he's been playing so so well, and yet Shaq Richardson's expected back this week, and he was a full go today, having recovered from that groin injury. And so you're thinking, well, that's I guess that's it for Carnell. It's such a shame he's been playing so well. Does Carnell play DB? for Jamal Peters because your other option really is it's either he or Robert Priester one of those guys has to play corner um is then sorry that's what I said before when I was saying DB so one of those guys has to play corner Shaq is, is going to return to his his boundary half spot which of those two guys do you feel more comfortable playing corner they're both corners they they both come from you know come from the the cornerback spot in college 
who do you put there? Um, well, look, I know Carnell's a hot hand, um, not to jump ahead, but in terms of defensive planning, it's going to be a game where uh, corners are definitely going to need to come up in run support. There's definitely going to be a lot of tackling. Um, I probably lean a little bit more towards uh, Priester in, in in that. I think Carnell is, you know, is has great hands and is... is um, Terrifically fast and and great closing speed. Probably lean a little more towards Priester. At least he's had some some reps at back or two um, for coming up in in the run support. So, no, you know that that's where I would lean. But it's not not easy. But I, I think it's going to be a run game. I think that's going to dictate what happens. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. I I think I would go with Carnell just because he's on fire right now. I I think that. I, I don't know. It, it, Priester hasn't played in several weeks now. Carnell's been playing, and I just think you put the guy in there who's been on the field most recently. I, I don't know if I want to bring Priester back and just throw him you, right you, into I mean, game action. I mean, you're right. Obviously, in a vacuum, like it's, it's pretty tough to to have guy win player of the week. Um, <laughs> right. But, I mean, you know, game plans are game plans. Um, you know, it just, it just depends who the coaches think is going to be able to hand up who's who's going to be able to stand up the most in uh, in the run game. Now the other option is Robertson Daniel was practicing today. Mm-hmm. He was limited. He's coming back from that hamstring injury and I think they're taking that one a little bit more slowly. I don't expect that they will have him ready to go for Saturday and dressing. I think they're going to be really cautious because it's a hamstring and I I just Seeing him limited today to me tells me they're not a hundred percent comfortable with throwing him right in there. But if you're looking for an experienced corner and a guy that would love nothing more than to play against the Calgary Stampeders, he's the guy. So maybe, maybe he is healthy enough to go by Saturday. In which case, that's that's a really nice piece to be able to plug in at this stage. Uh, a corner like Robertson Daniel, but I don't know if I would. If it were me, I wouldn't risk it. If it were me. He's too important to have around at some point. I I would hold off for another week and make sure he's fully up to speed. Yeah, that's an interesting conversation because I think this is this is kind of an all hands on deck a little bit. Um, if he's close, I like that. I, I like I like him coming in and uh, um, and being and being there over over Priester. Yeah, but he's got to be. You have to feel so comfortable with that, and we've seen, we've seen guys really struggle with hamstrings and quads. Yeah, uh, that's and it's just stuff. I know is, is no joke. Yeah, but yeah. If he can I, go, that that's definitely. I think that's my choice, and and you know, and then Carnell is just in the mix. You know, in the backfield, it's not not a demotion. It's just you know, sometimes one receiver gets the ball ten times, and sometimes they don't. And then continuing on with the defense, linebackers should be all ready to go. Uh, Brendan Calvert was the only one on the injury report, limited. Uh, defensive line, I, I think they're going to be without Demontre Moore, uh, who did not practice today, with listed as a quad injury. We saw that injury take place at the end of the Ottawa game, and it was just so crushing to see. Demontre Moore so excited to get out there and play, so excited to be part of the CFL. His first game action, his first week up here in the city to see him injured like that. I hope this is not something that's going to keep him out for a long time because you love seeing an American come up here and totally embrace it and and get in there and be excited to to be a part of the CFL team. So that I'm, you know, fingers crossed that this is not going to be a long-term thing, but 
uh, quads typically, you know, that's, that's not usually a, a one or two week, but it, it could be. It could be. So maybe this is the week that maybe we see Ali Fayed uh, get dressed, the, the former Mac player of the year. Maybe they decide to go uh, with Knight. Maybe they feel he's ready. We'll see how how that that uh, depth takes shape because they're going to need to dress a bunch of D linemen and linebackers this week. Like you said, it's going to be a run heavy Calgary attack, I would expect. So you want to you want to bulk up on on the D line and linebacker yeah, crew. Yeah, I, th- I mean I think so. You, I think you're looking you're looking for guys on the edge who can hold the edge, not necessarily get get after the quarterback. And looking at the offensive side of the ball, Mike Mitchell broke something this week that I thought was really interesting. He has an article on uh, Mike Mitchell. I'm sure you, if you're listening to us, you've read his stuff, uh, CFL News Hub. Uh, and Mike Mitchell today was talking about the fact that. Trevon Tate is is out for the season. This is something that uh, that he was able to confirm, uh, and it's not something that we had heard before. So yeah, Trevon Tate uh, he says is officially done for the season with a knee injury, but that I, Isaiah Cage still could potentially return this season. They have not decided that that his concussion issues have been season ending for Cage, so they're still holding out hope there. But that kind of that helps clear up the picture a little bit because I was still assuming that Trevon Tate would be coming back at some point. And that really does help clarify and kind of understand the need for like Ryan Hunter and, and everyone else. And you look, you look at the rest of this, this injury report and and the offensive lineman that they've got there. Shane Richards uh, didn't practice today with, with a quad injury. And otherwise it's, it's a pretty healthy group. You've got Allen not showing up. Uh, on the injury report, Blake's not there, and he's been dealing with with all sorts of injuries this year as well. Um, and so this tells me this this report from from Mike Mitchell, and also just looking at the injury report, I, I think Hunter is going to dress this week, probably as a backup that can go into a few different spots, um, and he would basically take the the place of uh, of Shane Richards, assuming Richards can't go. He's got that quad injury. Uh, receivers look in pretty good shape, but they've got one more question. Eric Rogers out there today, limited with that quad injury. Again, just like Robertson Daniel, I think they're going slowly. Because remember, Richards, Richards, uh, Rogers started the year on the sixth game. He came back for one game. It was a hamstring injury. He came back for one game and immediately injured his quad. He didn't make it through the game, and he's been on the sixth game since then. So he's eligible to come off it this week. Do you start Eric Rogers this week? Well, I mean, those guys want to play Calgary. There's no chance they don't want in that game. So that's true. Um, yes, I, if he is, if he is ready to go, uh, I think you, I think you, you put him in. And but aren't you a little gun shy, like based on what happened last time? No, no, because I, I don't. I mean, I uh, if he feels he's ready, I never want anybody to play. When they don't feel they're ready to go, if he feels he's ready to go, I'm good with the gamble. And if that gamble doesn't work, um, you know, then I'm okay with that too. The last piece on the injury report that I want to address is that John Haggerty was able to go full today. He missed last week's game with the hip injury. I think he was trying to give it a go, and he hadn't practiced all week, and they just decided, no, let's let's go with BD. I like that for a few reasons. One, I think he's a fantastic punter. 
Two, he's been doing a great job holding for Boris Beattie this year. And uh, three, it gives Beattie less to think about. He's just got to worry about field goals and not double duty. He's he's can focus in on that and his and his and his kicking motion and everything else. And I think that makes him a better kicker. So that's that's good news that Haggerty seemed to be able to to go full today. On the Calgary injury front, a couple of illnesses. So Kadeem Carey missed today with with illness, as did, as did Mike Rose. I would expect both those guys will be ready to go for for Saturday. They don't seem to be nursing any other injuries, and those are really the the major ones that that stick out. Nothing else really stands out to me too much. But I think you know Kadeem Carey, even missing a couple of days practice, uh, it it hurts, but. I think he's I think he's going to be just fine. I think he's the best running back in the league. He'll certainly be healthy by Saturday. And, you know, he and Mike Rose, uh, I expect to see out there um, causing problems. It's time for OCDC. All right, JB, the defensive side of the ball. You are the Calgary Stampeders. What is your defensive plan taking on the Argos this week? Mm, well, I probably would not change it much from the Calgary defensive plan from four weeks ago. Uh, I think you're all over Olette. Uh, you're gonna, you know, you got to pay him respect in the passing game. You got to put a DB on him, actually on him, not like in the vicinity and watching. Um, you take him out of the game. You take those checkdowns out of the game, and um, you know, so you start with that. I think also if you're Calgary. Um, you want to crowd the middle of the field. Uh, we've talked about before. That's where McLeod is the best. Uh, the seams, posts. You know, I'm gonna play. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna crowd the middle of that field. Um, and also tight, tight man coverage. Like going back and forth between that. I would say that you're looking on on first downs to to see if they have man beaters. And really push that, and then when they get the second down, if they're throwing, then that's when I'm looking to uh, crowd that middle of the field when he's looking for a bigger, he's looking for a bigger catch. But I think the Argos have shown that they don't have guys who are who can get off good man press coverage, and if you can do it, I think it's still the way to to beat the Argos. I don't, I don't think I I, I don't think Ottawa or Hamilton could do it. But Calgary showed that they could, and I don't think anything has changed. Um, I think Oled is better, and I think the coaching staff's understanding of Oled is better. But that's going to be a big that's going to be a big thing. I hope they have a lot more man beaters uh, in in the playbook because I think that's what's coming for them for sure. Yeah, I know. Last time, last time out, Calgary absolutely shut down the run. But as you said, it was a fairly new thing for for AJ Olette. He had six carries, eighteen yards rushing, and you know they the Argos could not get anything going on the ground. They tried Javon Leak in there as well, and it just it just wasn't happening. Calgary was hell bent on stopping the ground game for Toronto, uh, and it's it's funny because you watch the way that they play BC this past week, and it's a totally different game plan. And so if you're the Argos, this is a pretty tough. It's kind of a, a tough thing to decide how you're going to approach it because they are a very flexible defensive unit. Yeah. They didn't play much man at all against BC because you don't play a lot of man no. against BC. They had some they had some really interesting uh, zones going on and they disguised it extremely well. I know it was it was driving uh, Vernon Adams up the wall 
because it was just really hard to get a pre-snap gauge as to what you were going to see. And he would, he would go into his drop, look up, and what he was expecting to see wasn't there. So is that what they're going to bring out to McLeod Buffalo-Thompson? Or is it going to be more man coverage? Is it going to be shutting down the run game? Yeah, I, and, I think and you, we don't know. I think as a coordinator, you're not in the game to show off. I think you, if, if what you did worked, you go back to it. And then if it doesn't work, then you try plan B. But don't, don't overthink it. You know, defensive coordinators tend not to be offensive coordinator minded um, with the, the, some sort of desire to, to show off. Uh, the defensive coordinator just wants to win the game. And I think you make the Argos prove they can get off your press. And when they can, then, then you come up with something else. But I would, I'd be really surprised if, if, they didn't, um, if they didn't really try and ride those guys early. Switching to the offensive side of the ball for the Calgary Stampeders, I think if I'm the Calgary OC, my game plan is run, 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 and keep running. And like we talked about before, I think you, I think you do try and run to the side that run, run to the side that has the uh, probably the most vulnerable run stopping corners. And so I think that's you know, we're we're probably it depends how they move the guys around. I would imagine that they're gonna they're gonna keep McFadden. Uh, probably on the field side, uh, unless they, maybe they'll flip them. I'm not sure. But I, th- I think if you've got Priester or Carnell playing corner, I think you try and isolate that. I think you run stuff to that side and and force them to come up and continue making tackles because it's going to take them away in the passing game too. Last time Calgary went with a pretty short, accurate passing attack. Mayor was 14 of 18 for 156. And he just kind of it carved up the Argos a little bit. It wasn't it wasn't him that won the game though, and it really wasn't like Calgary ran all over them. But they didn't have Kadeem Carey. It was, it was Dedrick Mills who ended up with eleven carries for forty eight yards. I think with Kadeem Carey, it's a it's a whole different thing. He does add a little bit more explosiveness. He can break those long runs. He's got way better side to side than than Mills has. And, uh, and, you know, I think he's just a, a better running back than, than, uh, than Logan. So uh, that's what I would do. I would pound carry again and again and again, and then play action off of that. I wouldn't mind running mayor a bit as well. He's an athlete. He can move. I, I wouldn't mind uh, running some, running some reads and having mayor pull and getting him outside the pocket, whether it's to throw the ball or actually just carry it himself. And I would try and keep Toronto out of uh, three-man rushes and by moving Mayer around. So if Toronto wants to rush three, which we know they love, I'm going to look for Mayer to step up, extend plays, and either take off himself or buy time for his pretty skilled receiving core to get open. But it all starts with pounding the run game, pound the running game, pound the run game. Well, yeah, I, I think this is the first run, first team that the Argos have faced. Um, this can be a problem when we play Montreal late in the season um, in terms of the running game. Uh, I probably change up a little bit here. I, I'm looking at more four, even five-man fronts. I think you Calgary loves to run to the edges. I think you're really looking to stop run first here and um, dare the quarterback to beat you. I think that that is a difference here. And I, I it's... It's a muscle that Toronto hasn't had the flex. I'd love to see what they can do with it, but I, I'm definitely you're pound the run, and I'm like load the box, and uh, and let's you know. I'm not saying you know I, I I'm not keeping the box full every single down every single play, um, but for sure I'm giving them some different looks where we're gonna have you know like a five man front, 
and you know we're gonna run blitz and we're just gonna we're gonna take the run away from you and we're gonna, we're gonna try and turn you into a pass first team I think um they're fine at passing but they're not you know they're not the BC Lions so you have to take away what a team does well and then try and win with with what's left and that that's where I, I'd love to see if they do it because I, I, I think we have the depth at D line. Um, and the, our D line is kind of built to stop the run as opposed to just getting after the passers. So that that's where I'm coming from. You want to pound the run. I want to fill the box and, uh, you know, let's, let's see who wins. And it's going to mean probably a little more, um, you know, probably a little more man coverage, a little more guys on islands out there in the, in the backfield, but I, I think it's worth it. The offensive plan for the Toronto Argonauts this week, I think I think it has to be looking at the short to mid passing game. I think that's going to be the core of it. You, you saw last week how well Calgary did in limiting what BC could do. They're, they're great at that, playing that sort of umbrella over top, limiting you for those. They're just trying to prevent you from making big plays, which is basically what the Toronto defense does. And Calgary can play that game really well. But we also saw them play the man coverage game really well against the Argos. So I think you kind of come into this with, with sort of two, two scripts. Cause I think you're probably going to see a bit of both here. So when you're anticipating man coverage on downs where you're looking, you know, you're more likely to see man, I really want to see them use those, those tighter bunch sets that we've seen every so often where they've got switches uh, on the waggle. We saw them do that against Ottawa and back-to-back games where the number three receiver will kind of waggle into the number two spot on their, on their way in. And, and that really messes around with man coverage. Try and when you think they're going to be a man, try and force them out of it to check out of it or leave them with a difficult concept where there are natural picks and rub roads and things like that that are difficult to stay with and, and try and hit the receivers right away. You're not having McLeod dropping back and waiting. This is a pretty good, it's a pretty good pass rush from Calgary. Their defense is, is stout. So I, I don't want McLeod sitting back there long. So yeah, quick those quick uh, passing concepts out of bunches and, and tight formations. And then when you are able to loosen them up a little bit, and I do anticipate Calgary trying to stop the run, I think you're going to get a lot of pressure on that. I want to see RPOs. I want to see play action. And I want to look for McLeod to kind of hit those glance routes just in behind the backers uh, when they commit and they take their read steps to to try and shut down the run. So I think that's where the passing game has got to live in those sort of medium uh, length routes in behind the backers and and the rub routes and everything else. Now, you can't give up on the running game. It's got to be a part of it. But I think if you sense that it's just not there, if the run game looks how it did last time that the Argos played Calgary, where they could not get anything going at all, then I think you do at that stage. You get to you get to the end of the, the first quarter and you've got four yards rushing. It's time to bail on it, and you're just going to have to turn your quick passing game into the run game and bring out some of those quick screens and, and force Calgary to come up and challenge you. Uh, and if they do that, great, you go over the top. But I think it all starts with rub routes and uh, RPOs in behind the backers. And for the love of God, some misdirection. And we've seen more of it. There we has have, been some misdirection. We get, we get teased with it, but I, I want more. I want more misdirection. 
Well, Coach Dinwiddie has been doing a nice job of building off a lot of concepts. There's a few weeks in a row now where something, a staple that he had early in the season has transitioned into something else and then something else further. Because we know how many of those like Gittins Jr. Jets we've seen over the last few weeks and Banks coming around as well. And then last week, like the the AJ Olette touchdown pass was a fake pitch inside, like a fake sort of pop jet. And yeah, then Bethel Thompson oh, rolls oh. out the opposite way. <laughs> I know. It, it almost always results in a big play. Anyway. Well, they can't run it every single play. Well, it's not misdirection want, anymore I if you're running 40, it every play. 40%. That's what I want. 40% misdirection yeah. plays. All right. Let's get to let's get to our one thing. Uh, what's the one thing you want to see this uh, week, Not maybe? 40% misdirection. Um, <laughs> I would say what I'm looking for, my one thing connected to what I was talking about earlier is keeping Calgary under a hundred yards rushing. I think if Calgary's under a hundred yards rushing, the Argos win. Um, it's, it's a good test. We're going to have it against Montreal. Uh, I'd, I'd love to, I, I think the, I think the defense actually is built more to stop the run than, than the pass. So, I, I think we have the players to do it. So that's what I want to see. Under under 100 yards total for Calgary rushing. My one thing is taking care of the football. I don't want any Argos turnovers this week. I think you can't afford to do that. I think, like I said before, I think Calgary and Toronto are right there with each other. I, I think Calgary is probably slightly better, but I think they're definitely in the same tier. And I think if you give Calgary chances, if you turn the ball over, then they can beat you. It's kind of like with Winnipeg. You know, Winnipeg Winnipeg has been beating Calgary all season, but only just. And it's because they don't make mistakes. And Toronto has to play that Winnipeg style of game. It's okay that not every series is going to generate points. That's okay. But you cannot give Calgary a short field. Calgary's offense is too good to do that with. So you've got to take care of the football. If you have to punt, you got to punt. But... Yeah, do not risk turning it over. McLeod Bethel-Thompson's got to have a clean game and the backs and receivers have to prevent that ball from ending up on the ground. Where are you going for your prediction this week? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick Toronto. I, I think Toronto is playing really well. I, I don't have any reason not to pick Toronto. I think they're playing good football. I think they're getting healthier. Um, winning in Calgary is difficult, but so is winning in Saskatchewan. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to to the Argos. I'm gonna say the Argos um, come away twenty eight twenty five. Nice. I I hope you're right. I don't see it going that way. I think this is uh, there's a couple of tough things here. There, there's a few things that do make me wonder if it could go that way. Like I know uh, Jake Mayer signed uh, a contract this week, a long term contract this week, and. That's suddenly a pressure that he hasn't had to deal with before. We'll see how he responds. It's It would not surprise me at all if Mayer does not have a good game this week because we've seen that happen before. Young quarterback suddenly officially becomes the guy uh, because Bo Levi Mitchell has sort of always <laughs> no, been there on the sideline. If, if we see Bo Levi Mitchell start the second half, I'm going to be so mad. I know. I know we talked about how that seems to happen to the Argos every week where Superman comes off the bench. And, and leads their team as really since the East final last year. But I, I don't think that that's, gonna, I, don't, I don't think there's any way Bo Levi Mitchell ends up in this game barring injury. But I do wonder if he may struggle with this additional pressure of being the guy. I don't think it'll last forever, but maybe that's a one game thing where 
we, we just, we've seen it happen so many times before where someone gets a big contract and then suddenly you're like, whoa, hang on a second. Is this the guy we're paying all this money to? So maybe that happens, but I just think, I think this is tough. I think Calgary has been playing tougher opposition over the last few weeks. Toronto's coming off games against teams that really don't belong with them. And I think it's sometimes difficult to switch gears like that. And I think I think Calgary's going to get off to a quick start. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Calgary ahead by 10 at the end of the first quarter. And I just think it's hard to climb back from that. So I see Calgary taking this one. I've got 31 to 20 as the final score for this. All right, it is time for our world-famous fantasy advice. JB, we, we blew it last week we absolutely blew it not only did we lose in our league our score was pathetic we were all in on the bc lions and the toronto argonauts and unfortunately it was the wrong argos and there were no right bc lions so we just got annihilated last week apologies to anybody who who followed our fantasy advice picks uh we got a we got a big we got a big game this week our league leader uh, that we're taking on and uh, we've we can secure i believe we can secure third spot in our in our canadian uh podcast league out of 16 teams so i'd be i'd be pretty happy with that so we put a lot of thought into this week's roster uh, way more than usual and this is what we've come up with after all that thought how is it that we've ended up with Vernon Adams as our quarterback again, JB? <laughs> um, uh, well, I didn't... It's true. I think last week <laughs> we made the mistake of of getting away from our Argos and, uh, and we paid for it dearly from the universe. Uh, however, the price, the price is just really good. And yeah. uh, it, 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 it has sucked us in one more time. But... Uh, this may be the last time, because sometimes, sometimes when you buy the discount ground beef, it's not as good. <laughs> yeah, this, I don't know if it's a week old discount ground beef well, would that's be the issue. That's, that's exactly what we're about to find out. Yeah, I, I just I can't turn away from that price. Though you look at the other quarterback price, so Vernon Adams is under six thousand dollars, and when you're going to be paying ten thousand dollars for Taylor Cornelius. You pay ten thousand dollars for Cornelius and less than six thousand for Vernon Adams. You, you've got to take Vernon Adams. I know Cornelius put up some big numbers with some of the rushing and all that, but come on, that's that's to be four thousand dollars different is actually more than that um, is ludicrous. So you got to go with Vernon Adams at quarterback. I I can't imagine anyone not going with Vernon Adams at quarterback this week, unless except for the people that actually saw that Calgary BC game, I suppose. For a running back, we're going, uh, I think, great, great price still on Kevin Brown. I love him as the Edmonton running back. I thought he looked fantastic, and they've clearly committed to him. So two weeks ago when, when they played, he had, he had a wonderful game, and they just kept feeding him and trying to get him the football for $5,000. That's a, that's a great deal. And then we're going with Kadeem Carey because you know you know he's going to get touches and opportunities. It's expensive, 9200 I, I don't like to pick guys that are going against the Argos, but I just think he's he's a guaranteed he's like a guaranteed fifteen points every time he's he's out. He, he puts up good numbers, and sometimes he has those huge explosive games as well. So that's yeah, I think that's I money mean, and well that's spent. Okay, I mean I don't expect Toronto to win a shutout. 
Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, for receiver, I'm pretty happy with our pairing. Uh, slow and steady wins the race here. We got Dalton Schoen, $7,000. Remember the days when we used to get him for 3000 But he's he's a great receiver. I, I think he's going to put up numbers. He's pretty consistent as well. And we've got Tavares Daniels, who's coming off uh, a really nice game with 100 yards receiving. And he's a little under 7000 at 6947 That's a nice receiver pairing. Now, we may have an issue. Our flex is DeMonte Coxey, who we've been riding for like four weeks now, and we don't regret a single week of that. He's the minimum price you're paying, and he doesn't always produce great numbers, but he always gets a couple of catches, and Bethel Thompson has been targeting him in the red zone. And, you know, the interception Bethel Thompson threw last week was intended for DeMonte Coxey. They just had a bit of a mix-up there. But he's a, he's an ex-receiver, a starting ex-receiver at 2,500. Now, having said that, if Eric Rodgers is healthy and playing this week, it's going to mean DeMonte Coxey is no longer starting, in which case we're going to have to make a, a switch there. We're going to have to make a move and... Uh, I, I don't know what direction we're going there. If we go with Grant from Montreal or something like that, or um, possibly even one of the Philpots, but that's that's probably our, our backup plan there if if Eric Rogers is a go and Coxey is not. And then for defense, uh, this, this was tough because we really did want that BC defense. And with this lineup, we just miss out on affording it. We don't have enough money left. We've, we've got like $96 left. And we've gone with Winnipeg's defense against Saskatchewan. I think that's a good play at 3200 If your lineup allows you to get the BC defense, this is a great week to do it. They're playing Ottawa. They desperately need this win. They're going to be fighting for their lives. So I expect their defense to show up. On to our picks. <laughs> I was two and one last week. You were one and two. That pretty much sums up our season, I think. Yeah, it's true. I've I have. Uh, a, a, if there were a novel, it would think it would be titled uh, "Bad Beats and the Stupid Teams That Do Them." Yeah, I know. If there's, if you ever wonder which team JB picked, <laughs> you just watch whichever team dropped the ball in the end zone on the last play of the game, yeah. or had a sixty-three yard field goal kicked against them. Yeah. That was the team JB <laughs> had. Yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, no, I have not. I, I, I haven't really been feeling, but I feel feel good this week. I like, uh, I like where we're heading. I feel like my picks were sort of all made for me this week, except for the Toronto-Calgary one, which I had to put some thought into. And I did end up going Calgary there. You went Toronto. So Saskatchewan's at Winnipeg. Uh, this one's easy for me. I'm, I'm picking Winnipeg coming off coming off a loss to Hamilton, playing Saskatchewan, who they they really own um, psychologically and in every other possible way. So Blue Bombers at home. Yeah, I, I, I do too, I think. That um, you know, both these teams are coming off a bye, and so both are going to be really healthy. Saskatchewan definitely needs this game more than Winnipeg, but I think Winnipeg gets back into their routine and and back to business. I would imagine uh, losing and then going into a bye left a pretty bad taste in their mouth. I like I like Winnipeg there. Yeah, it's this. This is not a. They're they're a team of winners, and the, it must have been driving them bananas these last two weeks. So I, I really feel strongly about that game. Ottawa at BC. For me, this is BC. <laughs> BC needed to win last week. They didn't. 
Now the pressure's on. Calgary is right at their heels. Ottawa is done for the season. I think this is an easy BC win traveling across the country to play there. I just don't think Ottawa's going to be in it. No, I don't think I don't think BC looks past Ottawa. I mean, they lost. They're looking for a win. I think they're going to be dialed in on Ottawa. And like you say, I think Ottawa uh, is not particularly good. And I can't imagine that last week's, you know, crushing beatdown um, has the locker room really kind of pulling in the same direction. I've decided to pull a switch. I had my pick written down, and I've been thinking about it during this segment. <laughs> well, well, Montreal at Edmonton. I said I would never again pick Edmonton at home until they win a game there. And I had Montreal written down. I've been thinking about it, JV. I think Edmonton wins this game. I think it's almost more about Montreal in that anytime Montreal seems to have a chance to to do something right, uh, something uh, goes horribly wrong. And I think this might be one of those weeks where they are looking at making up ground on Toronto, who I think they're going to think has a you know pretty good shot of losing against Calgary. And I think they're going to go into Edmonton and, and blow it. I think Edmonton coming off the bye, they look pretty good. They, they look good on the road. They looked really good in their last game. I think they beat Montreal now. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's interesting. Montreal is definitely better at home than they are on the road. Um, <laughs> Montreal should their, their record should be better you know they they are you look at you look at them statistically offensively defensively they're a good team they just seem to shoot themselves in the foot a lot uh, I am not going to take Edmonton I will take I will take Montreal uh, on the road they've they've been impossible to predict but I'm just going to take that Edmonton can't win at home that will just about do it for us on this pregame walkthrough episode of the X's and Argos podcast. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya. Go Toronto Argos, go, go, go. Pull together, fight the foe, foe.